Good morning, Rivertown Community Church. I want to welcome all of our campuses this morning. Uh, and last week, we started a brand new series uh, entitled Helping the Next Gen Win. And I just want you to know, if you weren't here last week, uh, we didn't finish the talk. Because, I mean, I just got so into the talk and so emotional about the talk. And every time I watch this bumper, I think, okay, I've seen it now for about 10 or 12 times. I'm not getting emotional, but I do every time I watch it. And, uh, in fact, uh, from the 8 o'clock service this morning, there's this guy that rides out of the parking lot because I go out the back way and he opens this gate for me. And so I can zip out of uh, the Blountstown campus to make it to the Mariana campus. And, and uh, he, he was like, well, we figured out what you're passionate about. He said, you should have made this a 10-week series. I'm like, you're absolutely right, because I am so passionate about it. I love your children. I love your students. Um, and, and we just really want the next gen to win. So um, if you were not with us last week, we're so glad to have you with us. And uh, kind of to get us started today as, as we begin our conversation, I want to read an email to you that was sent to me this past Monday morning. And, and, and it reflects so much of what we're talking about in this series and why it's so important. So this person wrote, they says, as I reflected yesterday, this person wrote this on a Monday morning, so they're reflecting back on sun, last Sunday's talk. They said, I thought of how my story would be different if it weren't for the people that have served before me at RCC. I came to RCC with a young child and a wife just a few years in. I was broken and just about to give up on God. I didn't know what to expect when I showed up. I found out not long after that coming that I wasn't alone. As I grew, I began to find peace with myself and God. Not long after that, my world was turned upside down, never to be the same. I found myself in a dark and lonely place, but for the first time, I had something to hold on to. RCC showed up and supported me and I found out the real value of small groups. I began to look at my daughter and the lady that she started to become and to blossom into. And I know it's because of the focus of many people serving in small groups in Wombaland and in Upstreet. She has some baggage from my mistakes. But she has a process for how to deal with them in a healthy way. And then they went on to write, this morning as I reflected, I renewed the importance of to whom much is given, much is required. 
I know one way of looking at it is that we all have come so far and we've achieved a lot as a church, but man, I am so thankful that we still as a church realize how important it is that we use all of this to build a foundation for what is coming in the next generation or for the next generation. As I thought about that and I read that, I thought, you know, here's what I know. That story is not just true for the person who wrote that to me on Monday morning. That's very similar to many of your stories on every one of our campuses. Many of you, you could share a very similar story. Because you're here today because somebody showed up for you along the way. I mean, for some of you, that person that showed up for you along the way, it was your mother. And that's why Mother's Day is just this incredible celebration day for you. For others of you, though, it wasn't your mother. There was somebody else that showed up for you along the way. In fact, what they did is they intersected in your life just at the right time. It's like you were going through a very difficult season or you were going through a very difficult phase in your life and somebody showed up to help you deal with that season or deal with that phase in your life. Somebody showed up to help you understand what forgiveness looks like. Somebody showed up and and they gave you a second chance when maybe you felt like you didn't deserve a second chance. Or somebody come along the way and and, and at the right time what they did is they influenced your life and, and you are here on one of our campuses today because of that person. In fact, maybe you're where you're at in your life because of them. Now, last week when we started out in this series, um, I, I just want to remind you of this, but this is so important, that see, we are all are shaped by a previous generation. Every, every one of us, we are shaped by a previous generation. And the other thing that is true, matter, no matter whether you're in middle school or whether you're in high school or whether you're a young adult or middle-aged adult or older adult, here's the other thing that is true. We are all someone else's previous generation. We all are influencing someone who is younger than us. And, and so just like the person who, who sent me the email, for just a moment, I, I would like for all of you to kind of just pause and reflect on who was that someone that showed up for you. See, see, for many of us, as, as we kind of reflect on that, it wasn't just one person, was it? I mean, if you reflect long enough, you begin to realize, no, it was a lot of different people. In fact, I would encourage you this week to start making like a list of all the different people who showed up for you in some way, because here's the thing. As you begin to think about all of those people that showed up for you during your life, you'll begin to understand something that the person who sent me the email also understands, and that is this. Your best chance to have influence in somebody's life is to actually show up. Your best chance to actually have influence in somebody's life is to actually show up. And, and I know that statement can sound like such an oversimplification, but somewhere along the way, you have to be physically present in someone's life to make a difference in their life. Now, there's some of us here today, and, and many of you moms, you feel this way, but th- there's a lot of us that feel like we're showing up for someone. I mean, whether you're a mom or whether you're a dad or whether you're a grandparent or aunt or uncle or you know, for some of us, the, the person that we're showing up for, maybe, maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our grandchildren. Maybe it's our stepchild. Maybe it's our foster child. Maybe for some of you, it's the students that are in your class or, or are the kids that you coach. Or, or maybe for some of you, it's the children or students in, in, in Wombaland or Upstreet or Transit or Inside Out, which are the environments that we create 
for all of our children and all of our students. And so there's a lot of us today that, that feel like, hey, I am showing up. But do you know what one of the problems is with this whole thing of showing up? Is the problem is, is we don't immediately see the results, do we? And so what happens oftentimes is we kind of give up on showing up because we don't immediately see the results. And so we start wondering, are we really making a difference? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or a coach or a teacher or someone who's leading small groups in our different children and student environments, I mean, think about it. How, how many of your children, or very few of them probably, have ever showed up to you and, you know, maybe your fourth grader, fifth grader that you're leading in a small group goes, hey, thank you so much for the impact that you're making on my life. That, that just doesn't happen, does it? And see, the thing is, we just don't see the results right away. But it's so important. And, and now at my age of 52, looking back and and going, yes, it works. When people consistently show up, it absolutely works. In fact, that's why we told you last week that we have built our whole children and students' ministry on this whole idea of showing up for years. In fact, I told you last week, listen, we bet the farm on this idea when I, my children were young and they were little. Now, here's what we've learned, that when you show up, not only does it work, in fact, there's something else that we've kind of learned on that. When you establish the habit of showing up for someone else, it will change you more than it will change them. In fact, most of the time it grows you more than it grows them. Now, here's what's so awesome about this whole thing of showing up consistently for someone else, and that is this. God knew this a long time before we did. And so when God gave Moses the instructions to, to give to the nation of Israel to help understand or help them understand how the next gen would win. The model that God gave Moses to give to all the parents of the nation of Israel was show up. It's all about showing up. In fact, let's kind of go back and, and review this plan again this morning. Here, here's how God said to Moses, to, to the, or God said through Moses to the nation of Israel These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them, and this is how you impress them, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, here's the thing. As we talked about last week, God's plan for helping the next gen win, it's all about training the heart. That's why he says, impress these things upon your children's heart. But God is also saying more than just this is about training the heart. God is saying, listen, if you're going to train the heart in order for the next gen to win, you have to consistently show up. Key phrase there is you have to consistently show up. It's why he says, listen, if you're going to consistently show up and impress these things on their heart, it's like you got to do this when you're sitting at home for a meal and when you're driving up and down the road or when you're putting your kids to bed at night or when you're getting them up in the morning. So Moses is saying to the nation of Israel, the parents of Israel, he says, listen, if you want to help the next gen win, he says, literally, you can say it this way, to influence a person's life, to impress life-giving values that are going to help them win, he's saying, you have to consistently show up. Now, when you think about that, that go, you go, well, that just makes so much sense. But while it makes so much sense, here's the thing that we all know if we stop and think about it. It's not natural. 
I mean, think about it. We, we're a cu- culture of like instant everything. We want everything instantly. In fact, we want to raise the next generation instantly. We want to see the results instantly. But according to God's plan for helping the next gen win, what happens is we have to change our mind about how to influence or what influence looks like for the next generation. I mean, because think about it this way. For, for many of us, this whole thing of influence of our children, it's so wrong. And the reason it's wrong is because when our children are born into this world, we have something called size and position, right? In other words, we're a lot bigger than them, and we're a lot more powerful than them. And so here you are, an adult, and you're holding this little baby, and so you have size and position. And the reality is, when that child is like three years old, because you still have size and position, I mean, you can tell that three-year-old to do something, and if they won't do it and you want them to move over there, you just go, you just come pick them up and you move them right over there, right? Isn't that how it works? And so we get deceived about what influences into the life of our children. But think about this. When that child's 13 years old, 14 years old, and they are bigger than you, Size and position no longer works anymore, which is why, according to God's plan, influencing the next gen to win is all about consistently showing up all the time from the time they're born until we release them as mature, interdependent adults. So if influencing the next gen to win is about consistently showing up, And if consistently showing up doesn't mean you have immediate results, here's the question that we want to answer this morning, and that is this. What do we do to impress on the hearts of our children? How how do we make this happen? And, And what are the things we need to impress on the hearts of our children if we want them to win? Well, last week we began to introduce to you what we call the four core essentials that you need to focus on. And I am just telling you, as a parent looking back now, who has our youngest daughter is 23 years of age, looking back on that process and, and watching many students go through RCC student, children and, 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 and uh, student ministry, I'm telling you, these core four things, if you would say to me, Paul, what are the most four most important things that I need to focus on if we're going to help the next gen to win? We would say this, because we bet the farm on this years ago, and it has so worked. In fact, these four things are found in one little verse, a very small verse, but we believe it's like one of the most important verses that you can know as a parent, as a person who's influencing the next generation And as we said last week, I mean, every bit of our curriculum for all of our students, for all of our children, it's based on just impressing these four things into the hearts of our children and our students. And this verse is so powerful and it's important, but because this one verse, what it does is it describes Jesus' life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. And basically what it says, here are the things that were essential for Jesus to learn and to know in order to be this mature, interdependent adult that was making a difference in this world. I mean, think about this. All of Jesus' childhood, his teenage, his young adult years, I mean, they're pretty much summarized. Here were the things that were impressed in Jesus' life, and here's my thought. If Jesus needed these, in order to be the interdependent, mature adult, 
And notice I didn't say independent because healthiness is not independent. Healthiness is interdependent. Mature adult that he is going to impact this world, then these are also important for us as adults. It's more important even for us to impress them on the lives of our children when they're young, which means this one verse, it really helps us understand what is important. So this morning, we want you to look at these four essentials. And, and here's the first one. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So these are the four things. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and favor with man. So Jesus was being developed in these four areas. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means the first thing that we need to impress upon our children, whether you're a parent, grandparent, teacher, coach, someone who's leading a small group, is this thing called wisdom. And last week, we defined wisdom as this, the ability to choose correctly and to follow the best plan or the best path of action. And so the question is this, how do you instill this wisdom value into the hearts of your children? How do you help your children grow in wisdom? And I want to tell you, we call this a principle that you need to model. And the reason we say you need to model it because so much more is caught by our children than is taught that is caught when they're taught, okay? So they watch our behavior so much more than they listen to our words. And so this is a principle that we need to model as parents. And the principle that we model is by asking the question, what's the wise thing to do? Literally, in light of how this will affect your future, in light of how this might affect the people around you, what is the wise thing to do? So the first essential that we need to impress on our children is to model wisdom to our children. Listen, parents, you need to be, your children need to be hearing you ask this question all the time. Grandparents, your grandchildren need to be hearing you ask this question all the time. Aunts, uncles, school teachers, coaches, as you're interacting with students and children, small group leaders on any of our campuses, they need to hear you. If they have come to you with a question about their life, the first thing you need to say is go, well, what's the wise thing to do? Now, if you were not here last week, we unpacked this wisdom principle um, in depth. And so you you might want to go online and watch or or listen, and you can watch and listen on the app as well to gain greater understanding, because it is such an important principle to model. Because I'm telling you, it it sets our children, our students up for, for a future that's great or a failure that's great. Now, the second area that Jesus grew in, and that is this. It's this thing called stature. And and please understand, this word stature here, it means so much more than he had the right foods and got plenty of right of exercise. I mean, this is so much more than just physical health. And and we in our culture right now, we've become pretty good at health, being health conscious, and we want our kids to be healthy, and so we're taking care of our kids. In fact, I have one sister who's really caught up in this whole gluten-free thing, and and I like to aggravate her about it. And it's a healthy thing that she's doing for her one son, and, and it's a great thing. But I always tell her, like, Pauline, listen, here's the deal you know they give me all the gluten-free I want at the store you know it's just all free but anyhow so you know I I, I kind of pick at my sister about this whole thing so it's but it, here's the thing it's important that we make sure that our children are physically as healthy but here's the key as physically health, as healthy as they can be because some children you know it's like they they can't control what happens to them health-wise And see, if we just get caught up in the physical health and well-being of our children, 
if, we don't, if we're not careful, we miss helping our children grow in stature. Because see, here's what stature really is. It's the ability to discern my greater purpose in life as I physically mature. Don't miss that. See, see, there's a lot of kids that are maturing physically and they're healthy, but they're missing one of the most important things about life, and that is the ability to discern my greater life purpose as I physically mature. See, here's the problem. If we only understand stature to be physically fit, we teach our children or we teach the students or, or the children that we consistently show up for, we, we teach them to only live for now. But if we understand stature to be the ability to discern my greater life purpose as I physically mature, see, then we start teaching our children to live for something greater than today. We teach them to live for a purpose of, that's all about tomorrow. In fact, this is how the Apostle Paul said it in the book of Acts. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Listen, what the Apostle Paul, and this is so, this is an application of this verse, he's basically saying is God has a plan for every child born in this world. God has a purpose for every child born in this world. And to help them understand God's plan for their life, you have to help them understand, hey, it's not just about today. Life is not just about immediate gratification. It's not just fulfilling those emotional wants and desires in this moment. See, I, I believe the reason that there are so many children and so many students who are just living for today is because somebody did not come along in their life early on and say, listen, God has a bigger plan for your life, so dream bigger about tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you something. As parents, as influencers of the next generation, we have to get our children focused on a purpose and a plan that is so much bigger than now. Because see, when your children, they understand that they exist to make a difference in life, that their life matters to make a difference in other people's life, it helps them to focus so they don't get so distracted by life right now. So the principle that you model this by is this principle right here. I can trust God no matter what. See, see, as parents, we impress this principle upon our children again by modeling it. See, and you model I can trust God no matter what by the way that you react and the way that you act when things don't go your way. See, like when you as a parent or a grandparent, or someone influencing child, when you can't buy what you want to buy right now, or have what you want to have right now, or when you don't get that promotion that you think you deserve. See, you, you model trust in God in every situation in your life, and, and you go, yes, God has a plan, He's a purpose, and no matter what happens in my life, God's plan and purpose, it will not be thwarted. And by doing so, by reminding your children and constantly making this statement, listen, we can trust God no matter what. You help to impress us on your child's life. And I'm just telling you something. In today's culture, I, I mean, this, this is so important for us to help our, our children understand, our students understand, that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he will fulfill it. 
I'll never forget when we were launching our second campus, the Mariana campus, and, um, and, and we'd ask everybody um, in our, at, at our first campus, our Blunstown campus, to give so generously, like, we're going to start this one campus, and we, we want you to give generously, and Melody and I and our family, we've always sacrificed a lot in order to be able to give a lot, and proportion of our income and because our thing is if we ask other people to give to the mission and vision of rcc we should model it and and so we were feeling like okay we need to model generous giving and and so melody and i both we were praying about what we should give we kind of came together and we had the same we had the same number and i'm like okay so this is important if god says this and my wife says this and this is the right thing to do right So, so we decided we we're going to give, and then we looked at our money, and we're like, oh, my goodness, we got money's tied up in some other things. We can't, um, we, we only, so to do what we need to do, it's going to take this money and this money, and this other money was money that was supposed to buy a vehicle for our youngest daughter. Because, see, we kind of had this plan and that we had put in place with our kids saying, listen, if you will do certain things, if you'll live by certain principles, then when you turn 16... We will buy you a car. And one of those principles was that, that you would not get involved. You could have boys as friends if you were a daughter, or you could have girls as friends, but you could have a boyfriend or a girlfriend all through high school because our thing is God has a much bigger plan and purpose for your life, and, and we don't want you to pick a mate or try to figure out who your mate is until you understand God's plan and purpose for your life. Now, if you let your kids date, that's totally up to you, but that was us. We want our children to own that they, there's a grand plan and a purpose. And as a pastor, I watched too many kids, they, they, were, they made their mate first before they figured out God's plan, and, and then they messed up on both. And so we're like, okay, if you do these, so she's going along, she's tracking along well and all this. And, and, and so we had to have this conversation going, we feel like we need to give first, and then we'll figure out when some other money's come available to get you a car. So we sit down with this 15-year-old who's about to turn 16, and we think this is just going to be one horrible conversation. You know, we sit down and tell her, hey, listen, instead of you getting a car, you're going to get a church. (laughs) That's going to be your 16-year-old birthday gift. So we sat down with her, and we said that. And she looked back at us. And I get so emotional every time I think about this and she said dad it's okay because I can trust God no matter what listen parents your children the next generation they have to understand this This is such an important value because life, it has so many voices that can distract them from God's plan and purpose for their life. And as parents, we have to model this. Going like, we're willing to sacrifice now. We're we're willing to do without this and this and this so that we can eventually experience this. Because God has a plan. And no matter what happens, no matter what we have to sacrifice now, no matter what we have to give up now, God will fulfill his plan through our life. And and I watch so many of of the younger people, some of you you are not even younger, you you watch my youngest daughter, Karis, as she just kind of goes from here to there around the world and does all her trips. And, And I hear so many of you go, I wish I could have that life. And here's the thing, you could have that life 
if you understood that God has a greater plan for your life and, and you don't tie yourself down with debt and you don't tie yourself down with a relationship before you need to be in a relationship and, and you don't tie yourself down here and there, you can have that life. If you understand this principle, I can trust God no matter what because he will one day give me the person and bring that person in my life that I'm supposed to marry. He will give me the career that I'm supposed to have. But I can trust him right now no matter what's going on. That's stature. The ability to discern my greater purpose in life as I physically mature. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, school teachers, coaches, Anybody who's influencing the next generation, help them understand there is a grand plan for their life and help them move toward that. Third thing that was impressed, or we should press on our children's heart, and that's favor. That's favor with man. And favor with man is the ability to treat other people the way I want to be treated. That's what favor with man is. And again, we have to model this as parents. And the Apostle Paul, he gives us this practical way to do this. Look at what he says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. Now, let me just tell you why this is so important. If you know how to treat other people, you will go so much farther in life. See, you will accomplish so much more in life. You will go farther in life if you treat people well than if you have a lot of trophies and a lot of degrees on the wall and you don't know how to treat people. See, relational IQ determines success more than IQ determines success. And so the principle that you have to model is this is think others first. Think others first. And don't miss this. Please do not miss this. To impress others first thinking on the hearts of our children, we have to model something called empathy. This is so important, parents. Now, empathy, empathy is this. Empathy is understanding that there's a story running in the background of people's lives that we don't really understand And if we did understand it, we would know why they did what they did, why they think what they think, and why they believe what they believe. See, what empathy does is empathy causes me to pause and step back and imagine what others are going through or dealing with. See, empathy is the practice of allowing other people to be imperfect human beings And then pressing the pause button to imagine why that imperfection is in their life. See, here's the thing that I know from my own life and experience as a parent or as an influence of the next generation. And and that is this, pressing pause to think others first, it's not natural. Because here's why it's not natural. Because you subconsciously, every one of you, if you really stop and think about on all of our campuses, we know that if we press pause and we step back to think others first, it's most likely going to cost us something. And if you're a mom and dad, I'm telling you, this is so, so important that as we go through life as parents, as as we raise our children from phase to phase to phase to phase, what happens is as parents, because they're our children, we, we make the assumption, and because we spend the most time with them, we make the assumption that we know what's going on with them or we know what's best for them. 
And many times, looking back, I realize, no, 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 and watching other parents, I go, no, 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 our assumptions are so wrong. You know why our assumptions are so wrong as parents? Because we have not paused and stepped back and imagined what our children are going through to think others first. Think about it. If you're a parent of a preschooler, what if you pause to imagine what your three-year-old or four-year-old experiences every day? I'll never forget when this really became real for Melody and I. It was with our first daughter, Noelle. And, you know, your, your, your first child always has an excuse for why they maybe are messed up in life. And she's not. She's a great young lady. But we get so, you get so many things wrong with your first child, right? So she would have every excuse if she wanted to. But I'll never forget when... You know, we were trying to teach our child, you know, our children to to start doing chores and being responsible from early on. And so Melody is going to teach her, or she's trying to teach her to clean her room. And and she's just so exasperated with this child who would not clean her room. And if you know my wife, I mean, like when our house is dirty, most people walk in and go, wow, I wish my house was this clean. You know, that kind of thing. So my wife just loves a clean space and it's a comfortable, she says a clean space is basically a comfortable space. And so that's kind of how we live. And so she's trying to get this instilled in her youngest daughter. And so it's like she's finally so exasperated. She'd send her to clean a room and send her to clean a room and and her room would never get clean. And so one day she's so exasperated, she goes back to the room and it's kind of like she kneels down to show her how to do this. And all of a sudden she realizes the drawer she's asking Noel to put it in is this high. And I remember she's telling that story. It just kind of like reinforced, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. As we raise our children, we have to pause to imagine what they're experiencing. I mean, think about this. If you have a three-year-old preschool person, the average three-year-old actually takes 75 more steps per minute than the average adult. Let me say that one more time. The average three-year-old actually takes 75 more steps per minute than the average adult. So when they want you to carry them, It's not because they're lazy. (laughs) They're just tired because they've worked 75 times harder than you have. And you're too lazy to want to carry them. (laughs) Or how about this one? How about this one? I mean, you're like the parent of a middle school child, right? You understand this, especially boys. This really happens to boys. They get that hormone wash in middle school. Remember that? So what if a parent you pause... To imagine what he is experiencing. And some of you are going, I don't want to imagine that. But anyhow. (laughs) But here's the thing. Because of that hormone wash, somewhere in the middle school age, boys lose like one-third of their cerebral cortex. So they lose like one-third of their mind. And you're going along as a parent going, doesn't he know that? I mean, we've told him this a hundred times. The truth is, yes, you did tell him that a hundred times, and he did know that, but he doesn't now. He's lost his mind. I mean, it's like he's not being irresponsible. He's just literally losing his mind. It's a natural process of life. And so what if you as a parent would just pause and then step back and imagine, I wonder what it's like to lose a third of your mind. And then as a man, you would go, I don't remember because I lost a third of mine, and I, I can't remember. But what if you just kind of leaned in to help and to offer help? See, empathy, it's all about this. I mean, it's this thing, you pause to imagine. That's what empathy does. It, It pauses to imagine. 
But here's the other thing that empathy does. It doesn't just pause to imagine. It pauses to interact. That, that means you have to get involved in their life. And, and make sure you understand this. Empathy and compassion are so different. See, compassion sees somebody fall in a hole, and after a day or two in that hole, you go, oh, you've been in that hole for a day or two. Here's a sandwich. You might be hungry. Empathy, on the other hand, is so different. Empathy means you crawl down in the hole with them and you do life with them. And as parents in 21st century culture, so many of us, were so busy that we don't have time to step down. And I tell our staff all the time, listen, if you're going to give any direction or correction to your child, you must stop what you're doing and look them in the eye and tell them. Because if it's worth them knowing, it's worth you stopping what they're doing. This hollering from another room or hollering, all that, it's not, it doesn't work. Because see, this makes you crawl down in the hole and look them eye to eye so that you can know what they're experiencing so that you, you know what they're feeling. See, thinking others first means you model empathy. And empathy means you pause to imagine and you pause to interact. Now, the reason it's so important to stop and pause and talk about this right here in this is because this doesn't come natural for any of us. I mean, think about it. As adults, listen, what do we do? We grumble when we're not treated like royalty at a restaurant. We never pause to imagine to figure out why that restaurant's having a bad day. We never pause to imagine when, when we're not treated at work, when we feel like we deserve to be treated at work, or, or when our spouse or some other person in our life doesn't treat us like we feel like we deserve to be treated See, our natural preoccupation was a self, and it causes us to see ourselves as more important than other people. And please hear me, parents, the next generation, please hear me, teachers, please hear me, coaches, grandparents, aunts, uncles, every one of us, the next generation is watching our failure to pause and imagine and interact. And what the Apostle Paul says is, listen, you have to model the attitude of empathy it's an attitude that places greater value on others. And then lastly, the fourth thing we really have to impress on our children is this, is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, favor with man, and then also favor with God. And the definition for favor of God, let me just say this is the most important, is the ability to live out your own personal faith. See, the reason many children and students fall away from God when they go to college or they step out in the work world as young adults is because they never personally own their faith. And if we're really being honest, the reason that most students or children don't own their faith is because they've never seen it modeled. In fact, too many Christian parents believe that it's the church's responsibility, the church environments, the church camps, the church mission uh, trips, all those things, they, they think it's all of that, that's that responsibility to instill this into the lives of their children. And here's the thing, while we as a church, we, we desire to partner with you on this, I mean, you as a parent, I mean, you, you're like the primary influence of your child's life. I mean, think about it, the church only has them for an hour or two, a week. You have a lot more say and influence in the many other hours so what that means is what you model when it comes to your home, it's going to impact your children's lives in a much bigger way than what you could ever imagine. I mean, think about it this way. In the time that the church has them, in that hour or two at church, I mean, we can introduce them to faith. But it takes all the other hours that you have them at home to, to live out that faith and impress it on their heart. It's why we tell our staff, listen, as a staff, you need to be having dinner at home around your table 
at least seven out of 14 nights a week. It's why we're not like having all these events all through the week is because we want you as families, we want our staff to be able to have time to have dinner at home with their families to, to be able to impress their faith upon their children and their time to be able to get them up in the morning and put them to bed at night and, and have those conversations. It's why we work hard to partner with you through like our children's environments, Wombaland and Upstreet, and please put your children in those environments it's a way that we can partner within our student environments, transit, and inside out. Because here's what we know. It takes both. It takes the church and home. In fact, that your child's best chance of owning their personal faith is when they see it modeled first by a parent or a grandparent or a step-parent or an uncle or an aunt or a teacher or a coach. And that other adult, maybe that's consistently showing up in their life. So here's the principle for this one. And that is this, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, here is why most children do not grow up owning their faith personally. Because parents don't say this. Parents say, you follow Jesus. You act like Jesus. Don't act like me. You know, the way you model a personal faith is to be able to look at your child and say, listen, follow me as I follow Christ in my ethics. Follow me as I follow Christ in my morality. Follow me as I follow Christ in my relationships. Follow me as I follow Christ in my finances. Follow me as I follow Christ in the way that I work. Follow me as I follow Christ with my time management. Follow me as I follow Christ with any kind of behaviors that could be destructive in my life. See, parents, you need to do life in such a way that you can say to your children, as the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, he says, listen, just imitate me just as I am also imitating Christ. And please hear me. One of the primary reasons our children don't get this is because we go, hey, listen, follow me in a lot of these areas, but don't follow in this area. Because what we do as parents is we go, well, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm not following Jesus quite right here, but it's, it's okay. Well, I'm not following Jesus quite, you know, I'm not quite up to snuff here. Okay, can I tell you something? What you allow in moderation in your life as a parent, your children will allow in excess in their life. You, you say church attendance and, and church involvement and church engagement, oh, it's kind of important, but it's not our priority. Can I tell you what's going to happen to your kids when they hit high school and college? And what you allow in moderation, your children allow in excess. I'm just telling you, parents. If you want children to own their faith, you have to be able to look at them and go, listen, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Imitate me. You watch what I watch. See, we live with that double standard all the time. You know, your parents over here watching these movies and don't let your kids watch these movies. Your kids can watch these, but you can't watch these. Really? Kids pick up on that. Please hear me. Our children... We'll forget about every, almost everything we say. They'll never forget what we model. And what we model is what gets impressed on their heart. That's why showing up is so important. Now, let me just say this. If you're a Christ follower here this morning, this showing up thing, it's, it's not necessarily an option for you. See, if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and you're a Christ follower, 
the showing up thing, it's not an option for you. If you're not a parent or a grandparent or an uncle, but you're a Christ follower, it's not an option for you. Think about this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, while we were still caught up in our selfishness and ourself, Jesus showed up and he modeled the greatest act of kindness, love, patience. He paused, stepped back to imagine what we as humanity were going through, and then he paused to interact. And we experienced the greatest love, sacrifice, patience, gentleness, kindness that we've ever experienced. So here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower, as a parent, as a grandparent, as and just a Christ follower in general, you don't have a choice. You're part of the story. You have a Savior that asks you, and I say, no, no, no. He didn't just ask you. No, he requires you, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that you show up for the world around you. That you show up for the next gen. See, this whole idea of helping the next gen win, I'm telling you folks, it is so important. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, it means you need to be showing up for them. And what that means is you intentionally get involved in helping the next generation to win. See, showing up is not an option for a Christ follower. And some of you understand that. And some of you are living that out. As parents, you're living that out. As Christ followers, you're living that Others of you, you're kind of doing this, sitting on the side, excuse yourself, going, well, I'm just really not qualified. I don't know if I've really got time. But let me just go and tell you something. It's not about qualification as a Christ follower. It's about being willing to show up. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the person of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And he says, listen, I won't leave you. I'll be with you and I will guide you. See, this is not about what you can do. Helping the next gen win is not about what you can do. See, the story of the people that showed up in your life and helped you win, the story of people showing up and helping the next gen win, it's not about what they did. It's about what God did through them. And I'm telling you, when you follow Jesus Christ, he will empower you to help the next generation win. You just got to show up. And here's what I can tell you. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Jesus is calling you to show up for somebody. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you sit in rows and just look at the back of heads every Sunday morning in one of our campuses and sing some songs and if you do that for any length of time all you do is just show up on Sunday it will not take long for your spiritual life and your spiritual growth to get really stagnant you know why because following Jesus means that you show up for others and the day you say no to showing up for others is the day you stop following so um, here's the big question for you who's that next gen person that you're going to start showing up for today that you're going to make a commitment. I'm going to show up for these. For, for some of you, the easiest way to do that would to say, hey, I want to serve in Wombaland, or I want to serve in Upstreet, or I want to serve in Transit, or I want to serve in Inside Out, our student and children's ministry. And here's the thing. I, I got to think and pray about this. I'm going, God, do you, do you understand that if we, everybody who really calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ showed up for the next generation, said, I'm going to show up consistently for the next generation, 
on every one of our campuses, we would be so overrun with people, we would have to look at them and go, no, 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 no. We, we don't need any more people in Wamalan. We don't need any more people in Upstreet. We don't need any more people in Transit or Inside Out. You, you need to go show up for people in your neighborhood, or you need to go show up for people in the school, or you need to go show up for these foster children, or you need to go show up for these children that you need to adopt. But you know, we're, we're missing it, and we wonder why the next gen's not winning. It's because too many of us are sitting back going, well, we'll let somebody else do it. And guy goes, no, 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 you don't, you don't have the option. If you call yourself a follower, you have to show up. So here's the question. What do you need to do this morning to begin to help the next gen win? See, every Sunday morning on all of our campuses, we barely get by with the amount of people who are serving your children. And I think that's so wrong. That's so wrong. Jesus Christ showed up consistently for us. What do you need to do to help the next gen win? See, this is not just a mom thing. It's not just a dad thing. While it is important for us as parents, this is an everybody thing who calls himself a follower of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible moment for us to pause and to imagine what it would look like if we truly followed you and we showed up for the next generation. God, imagine how it would change, help us to imagine today how it would change our homes, how it would change our families, how it would change our churches and all our different communities. God, how it would start changing schools in our communities, how it would start changing neighborhoods in our communities. God, help us today to make the commitment that we're going to be consistent about showing up for somebody in the next generation. We give you thanks for how you're going to work this through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks, everyone, so much for being here. I, I pray that you don't get out of here and celebrate Mother's Day and, and forget what we said. It's a big deal. It's what we got to do to help the next gen win. Have a great day.